Welcome to New York Girls Take on the World. I'm Jen. And I'm Mo. And we're two women bringing you our take on all things geek, nerdy, and pop culture. How's your week been, Mo? <laughs> you know, uh, I think pretty much the same. <laughs> now that we're all doing uh, the same thing all the time. All the time. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty fortunate. I get to work from home, so I still have a job. Yay. <laughs> yeah. I have to say I'm pretty blessed right now. I still have a job. Um, I'm not sure what the job is right at the moment, but I still have it. I will have it when this is all done. So, um, yeah, same as you, working from home. Every uh, every day I'm like, well, you know, I can just roll out of bed at 7.50 a.m. I'm supposed to start work at 8. I may or may not have my hair brushed or my teeth brushed, but, you know, they get there eventually. Right. Same. I haven't seen, like, clothes with zippers in, like, three weeks. (laughs) Yes, I am loving this ability to wear leggings 24-7. It's like I've got my daytime leggings and my sleeping leggings. (laughs) (laughs) My only change of clothes is from, like, my nighttime clothes to my my daytime clothes. Exactly. (laughs) My PJs for the day and my PJs for night. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are you drinking tonight, Jen? Um, I am drink. I'm changing up a little bit this week. Uh, I'm drinking uh, wine. I have a San Antonio Winery Imperial Red. I, I'm trying San Antonio Winery. It's a local Los Angeles winery. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see ads for them here in LA everywhere. Uh, their main store is downtown. And I was always like, yeah, I should give them a try. You know, they're local. You know, see how they are. I have their Imperial Red, which is a semi-sweet. And um, if they mean semi-sweet, like, you know, slightly alcoholic grape juice, sure, I guess it's <laughs> semi-sweet. It really does taste like communion wine. I'm not going to lie. I it, it tastes exactly like communion wine. Um, or at least this this Baptist idea of what a communion wine actually properly tastes like, because <laughs> I'm Baptist. We do grape juice. But my uh, my Jesus juice is a little on the sweet side. But, you know, it's all right. It, I, I have to say, it gets the job done. It's not perhaps a fine wine. It's definitely not a, a, a good French or an Italian wine. But eh, it's fine. That's okay. I am drinking a Mike's Hard Lemonade. <laughs> Tangerine flavor, so it's different. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if that sounds even good. You know, I was I was iffy about it. It came in a multi pack. I'm actually digging it. I like it. It's like a mimosa. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Mike's tangerine hard lemonade. Yep. That just yep. sounds wrong. I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. it's better. It's better than um. What was the big thing a few years ago? It was like lime flavored Budweiser or something. Oh, and I was yeah. like. The, the lime burritas, those were not good. The, what the hell is that abomination? <laughs> yeah. Like, who does that to a good beer? Wait, wait, wait. It was a Budweiser. Check that. Not a good beer. <laughs> but I can say that I'm from Missouri originally, so I can hate on Budweiser all I want. <laughs> <clears throat> I, uh, I drink a lot of beer, so. Yeah. 
Well, I was t- I was torn between a beer and a wine. And I said, you know, it's a nice, soft, rainy night in L.A. And wine sounds good. So, um, so I'm drinking communion wine. That's what I'm drinking. <laughs> nice. It, it even has like a San Antonio like. Uh, is the Cathedral of St. Anthony of Padua on the front on the label. So maybe that's why it tastes like communion wine. Maybe, right? Because it's got a church on the front. That's my running theory. (laughs) I'll try it next time I see you and let you know if it tastes like communion wine. It so totally does. Uh, (laughs) But you're more Catholic than me. So, you know, you you get this better than I do. The heretic heretic (laughs) Baptist that I am over here. Right. And I'm a stereotypical Catholic and I haven't been to church outside of holidays in like 10 years. Well, you know, that's how you do it, right? (laughs) Right. I mean, I'm a scholar of religion, Mo. I know these things. I'm just glad my grandma doesn't get podcasts and she'll never listen to this. (laughs) Grandma, I swear I go every Sunday twice. (laughs) Swear. Oh, and on that note, uh, besides the the very mimosa flavored Mike's hard lemonade you're consuming, what is the media you've been consuming this last uh, this last couple of days? Um, let's see. I finally watched the What We Do in the Shadows TV series. Oh, which I really liked. It was super uh-huh. fun because uh, I love that movie. That was. Great movie. I finally saw the the movie a couple weeks ago. And yes, it took me that long to watch it. <laughs> I loved it so hard. <laughs> right. So I can imagine the TV show. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, the TV show was great. Uh, so I watched that. And then I also watched um, Bloodlust, mm-hmm. that uh, Vin Diesel movie that just came out. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it, it was fun. It was uh, <laughs> it was everything I expected it to be, which was a cheesy action flick. So I was good with it. I, I love the expression on your face when you're like, "It's fun." I'm like, <laughs> "That is this is mindless like action yep. drivel because of course it is. It's a Vin Diesel movie." <laughs> exactly. Um, I've heard good things about the comic book it's based on. I haven't actually read it, but it it was a fun mindless action movie. <laughs> There you go. Uh, let's see. What have I been consuming? Um, <laughs> I'm like a lot more than I normally do. Um, <laughs> I actually been doing a lot of uh, Disney Plus. Uh, trying to go through and find some of the old movies I grew up with. But they're shockingly low on some of the movies I grew up with. I'm like, what about this one movie that I love? Nope, wasn't on Disney Plus. I had to rent that one. Um, but I did uh, catch Onward. Oh, um, that was good. I liked it. It was so good. I loved it so much. Um, it, it, that was a movie that I had really looked forward to seeing in the theaters. And of course... With the COVID-19 situation, um, all of us were not going to movie theaters. And Disney released it early on Disney+. Plus. Uh, it's been out for a couple weeks on video on demand. So um, for those of you like me who had the patience to wait it is, and have a Disney Plus account, it is now free on there. You can go check it out. I highly recommend it. It's just a, it's a sweet movie. 
Um, especially uh, about brothers and, uh, you know, sibling relationships, especially in single parent families and, and the legacy of those we've lost. So it's just a wonderful, wonderful warm hug of a movie. And I, I, the whole time I kept watching it going, this feels like it's just really an extension of Avengers Infinity War. (laughs) Because you get this great Tom Holland, Chris Pratt action. I'm like, I would watch a live action movie with those two in it. <laughs> like, I don't know what it would be, but put them in it and I'd watch it. You could have my money. Yeah. It was so good. I cried like a baby. Oh, I did too. I'm, But I'm a crier, so, you know. Same. I, I cry for everything. Like, Disney movies I've seen like 5,000 times. I'm still crying. <laughs> well, I watched... Um, Frozen 2 again, which I, it was the first time I'd seen it since I went to the movies with you and yeah. uh, our friend Vanessa. I finally watched the scene that I missed because I got up to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I laughed hysterically all through the Jonathan Groff uh, channeling 1970s journey scene. Right. That was amazing. I also felt like it had a, a boys to men vibe going through that song as well. As a, as an ardent fan of boys to man, men, as a lover of boys to men, I, yeah, I agree. I see right. it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get it. You know, you almost are like, they're just standing there. He's standing there at the water's edge. And I'm like, mm, yep. Yep. Boy band. I, that was more than a few, like, angsty boy romance videos <laughs> growing up. Oh, man. It was so good. And I love Jonathan Groff anyway. So it was, that was a great scene. Mm-hmm. But it was nice to see Frozen 2 again and be reminded why you like the Frozen movies, even if you hate to admit it. Right? I don't know. I love them. <laughs> they are Thank you. I I love Disney movies though, so Yeah, I've been slowly picking my way through them and um but you kinda have to be in a mood for them and but I I find right now with everything going on in the world and all the sadness, let's be honest, it, yep. it's that's kinda where my brain's at. I'm like, I could watch, you know, something heavy and dramatic, but really I just wanna watch a fluffy Disney animated movie. Yep, agreed. <laughs> So, well, this week we are uh, tackling a, a topic that is kind of, I think, near and dear to Mo and I's heart, especially in the last year. Um, and that's the idea of great expectations. And no, I don't mean the Dickens novel they made you read in high school. I mean, fan expectations. What fans expect out of the media they're consuming and what the bars that they set for those expectations and can they ever be lived up to? And I think that any of us who have been consuming media, especially in the last year, um, can really identify with that. (laughs) Because boy, boy, when fan expectations are high and they're not met, oh, it is not a pretty thing. Yep. (laughs) So, um, One of the, uh, here's something I thought that kind of, I feel like fan fan expectations didn't make or break this movie, but I do think this movie was heavily influenced by it. And that's the um, Beauty and the Beast live remake. 
Um, I kind of feel like the creators went and like looked at all the the Beauty and the Beast memes and the uh, the Bill has Stockholm syndrome and whatever happened to her mom and, and like they went down a checkbox of yeah we're gonna answer all these <laughs> questions yes. we're gonna show those fans we're gonna answer everything and they won't be able to complain about this movie. <laughs> if you've seen Lindsay Ellis's video uh, on this very subject yes. online, that's it's exactly the critique she had. It was like. Oh, wow. This is a movie that is really just every fan video out there who's like, <laughs> yo, oh, my God. Did, does that mean that the Beast was cursed when he was 11 years old? Oh, my God. We need to explain that. And, uh, you know, what happened to Bill's mom? Why is Bill's mom not in the picture? Why the hell does it matter? <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if let's like if that was the filmmaker's intent, but it really felt like it. <laughs> And if it was, if they, they did go out there to be like, we're going to answer all these questions, don't feed the trolls. <clears throat> Nobody's seriously yeah. asking these questions. Nobody needs to know. Don't People feed the trolls. Them. Because if you feed the trolls, then they're going to just become louder and more obnoxious. So, but you're right. It's it the great expectations fans set upon a an IP, whatever that IP is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and the pedestal they put it on sometimes can be at the detriment of the IP itself. And I'm going to throw it out there because we've, we've danced around the subject, but we just need to like take it on by the horns, just tackle it, just get it out there and get it. Oh, rip that Band-Aid off that wound. Game of Thrones. <laughs> I know this is one, a topic that's near and dear to your heart. Oh, yes. No, because, uh, you know. Um, you and I spent, uh, spent a great deal of time watching season eight together. <laughs> yeah. 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 And we had such high hopes for that show. I mean, that was a show that had just built this, like, never before seen groundswell mm-hmm. of fan support and expectation over eight years i mean longer it was closer to a decade when you think about all the time they took off and over a whole decade they built this entire fan base who had this vision in their head of what the ending would be should be could be and the things that they were going to answer and then you get to season eight and you're like oh oh uh uh what? Or in the case of many fans, it was screaming, what the fuck, really loud at the television and then, you know, typing in all caps on Twitter. Just rage screaming all over the internet. I so think- my qu- my question then, Mo, is, well, uh, who's the joke on in that situation? <laughs> is it the fans? Because we put the expectations on the show. Is it Benioff and Weiss who are like, but this was the show we created? Is it a little bit of both? Did great expectations kill the the love of this this ginormous <laughs> television show? So I think one of the things um, that Game of Thrones <clears throat> did and then fell prey to was George R. R. Martin did this great thing of subverting expectations. You know, um, reading that first book, you're like, okay, the Starks are the main characters okay, Ned Stark's dead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody reading that book at that time was expecting that. And 
you know, this plot armor that our main characters have was just gone. You know, and George R. R. Martin did this amazing thing, and people really loved that. And so then I think a lot of creators went, oh, we should do that too. <laughs> Let's subvert expectations. People will love it. But here's the thing. You can't just have subverted expectations and be like, haha, you weren't expecting that, right? Well, I wasn't. And also, it doesn't make sense. And I think that's the trap that Game of Thrones fell into in that final season of the series is they just went, let's subvert everybody's expectations. You know, you think Jon Snow's going to kill, you know, the the king? Nope, he's not. Arya's going to do it. We're not expecting that. Surprise! Well, yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> it's and a it's, twist. <laughs> it's not satisfying now. Like, twists don't make something good. There has to be a build-up to it. There has to be a lead-up. Like... The reason why Ned Stark's death worked was because, yeah, we weren't expecting it, but it fit. And it set the tone for the rest of the series. There's a reason why that happened towards the end. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they they really built up this whole, per, this whole persona of Ned Stark, this honorable man mm-hmm. who is a simple guy, simple warrior, good friend, loving husband, good father, He's the type of guy who you would cheer for. He's your hero. And then they're like, yeah, you know, he's totally set up to be this paragon in this absolute shithole known as King's Landing. And you and you realize as as you go back and you look at it, they were setting up Ned's fall pretty yeah. much from the beginning. Oh, yeah. But as a fan, you didn't realize it. And so when you get to the end and you have him killed and you're going wait what 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 the fuck and you go back and you look and it's the setup and so that the twist is a payoff you weren't expecting but it sort of sets you on the way for the rest of the adventure exactly exactly it fit the theme the theme was that hey in this world being honorable isn't going to save your life you know that was ned stark's mistake that was his fatal flaw he was honorable to the detriment of himself and his family. Yeah. You know, and there was that theme and that theme came to its logical conclusion of Ned dying. It made sense. Um, the final season just, there wasn't enough buildup. I don't know if it's because they were rushing, you know, if that was always their plan to have everything go the way it did. If it was, they did a really bad job of setting it up. Or did they just go, let's see, what's the thing that people are least going to expect? Brand's the king now. That nobody, nobody's expecting that. <laughs> That'll be great. People are gonna love it. And nobody felt like an M Night Shyamalan movie, <laughs> right? It really did. And look what happened to him. Nobody likes <laughs> twists for twists' sake. No, they don't. You know, and you I have think... to have a build up to it, and a good build up, not a crappy one. Yeah, and I think therein lay the the problem with Game of Thrones was. Fans had expectations. I mean, mm-hmm. in some ways, I feel like Betty Off and Weiss did not take enough credence and and to not only just the books, but the world that the, the around the books and the what the fans were seeing and what they were piecing together. And it, I, you know, maybe George R. R. Martin told them where he was going to take the direction he was going to take these books. What? <laughs> you know, 15 years ago, but is that the direction he's going to take them now? Who yeah. knows? Now I will say to their credit, they were kind of running blind. The books are not done. So it's not like 
they had a, a very good roadmap of, well, what comes next for the last yeah. three seasons. So they're kind of making it up as they go. But I really felt like, wow, your storytelling credentials went down the toilet the moment you ran out of a book to follow. So, I, but then again, how much of that is up on us as the fans because the fans went bonkers and the fans are the ones who are picking through the books and looking for clues and doing the fan videos and talking about it incessantly nonstop 24 7 weeks on end i mean we're the ones who sort of built up this whole like <laughs> shining mirage that is that was game of thrones only to realize that at the end of the light at the end of the tunnel was the oncoming train. We're the ones who did it to ourselves. So how much of it is really Benny off and Weiss? How much of it is us? Did fans' high expectations really uh, like kill the the impact of the end of Game of Thrones? I I don't know. <laughs> I think it's it's one of those things. It's really hard to tell just because of how big of a letdown that final episode oh, was yeah you know like maybe if it had been decent fans would have liked it um but that whole final season was just so rushed um i think a good example of how fan expectations can be both really hard on a creator and a creator can rise to that is um a cartoon called gravity falls it was on disney xd in uh, i think 2015 um mm-hmm. And that, uh, that show was created by Alex Hirsch, and it had a huge online following. It was it was very much a mystery, sci-fi kind of show. Um, and it had this huge fan following, and, you know, there was all these clues, and people were trying to figure out what's going on. Alex Hirsch did a great job of setting everything up from episode one to the end of that series. Um, and it was it took a huge toll on him, you know, like planning all these things for the fans and blah, blah, blah. Like, towards the end of the first season, he was... He, he had went online a few times and been like, guys, this is, this is bad for my mental health. Like, I'm trying here, but it's 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 burning me out. So, um, you know, after that, he was like, season two is the final season. And he wrapped that show up, and it was great. It was amazing. Like, every fan of the show I've talked to has been like, yeah, it was great. And I think that shows how fan expectations can hinder a show like if this had been anybody other than Alex Hirsch if he hadn't had his show planned out would season two have been good if he had been like no I got to keep this show going I don't have an ending plan how much of that fan stress would he have caved to you know he's got this Mm -hmm. huge online presence he's got all these people trying to figure things out because there's a big mystery element to the show and it took a toll on him and so yeah I can understand how you know Benny and Whites could have had just not taking it well because of all this stress that the fans are, you know, bringing on to those creators. I mean, look at Star Wars. I mean, geez Louise, those Star Wars fans, you've literally driven people off of the internet. You know, that poor woman who played Rose Tico, I'm sorry, I forget her name right now. But she was literally uh, bullied off the internet. Yes. Um, her name is just escaping me, too. Um, <laughs> no, I'm actually going to Google it right now because I feel really bad not remembering her name. I know. it's And it's like right there. And I'm like, wow, I'm a Kelly Kelly Marie Tran. Yes, Kelly Marie Tran. You, example, you know, poor woman gets cat gets a role of a lifetime 
to be in a Star Wars movie. Now, however you feel about that movie, good, bad, or indifferent, the woman is an actress. She is a professional. And she won a part in a one of the biggest movies of the year. And because of fan expectations or, I don't know, just straight up misogynic ra- misogynist racism, let's just be honest, <laughs> they... They bullied her till she just left, quit Twitter, quit Instagram, mm-hmm. just left the internet and is in hiding. And, you know, people feel justified in, in it because they're like, oh, my gosh, like her character is just so annoying. Yeah. I, I mean, when does why why does fan expectation give you license to be an asshole? Exactly. Like, you can want what you want out of, you know, media, especially a a media we love, like Game of Thrones, like Star Wars. But it's one thing to say, I hate the character of Rose Tico. It's another thing entirely to say, I hate this woman who is playing her. Yeah. No. And that's that was utterly uncalled for. But while we're on the subject, Star Wars let's let's open let's just rip off that band-aid too let's just open all these wounds up while we're at it let's get let's get everybody here who's gonna hate us yeah hate us hate us right away hate us from the hate us from the first you might as well just get it over with get out of your system so then the the latest three movies kind of divisive i think force awakens is probably least divisive of all of them yeah um and then it pretty much real runs into those who actually liked the last jedi and those who thought it should burn in hell <laughs> and then everyone else who seemed to all agree that no matter what side they were on on that argument all agreed that they really hated uh rise of skywalker <laughs> which ultimately I, I i'm going to be full disclosure i did not see any of these three movies and i'll tell you why because <laughs> I am a huge, huge fan of the classic Star Wars. I mean, they came out the same year I was born. I grew up with Star Wars. I loved those stories. I watched the prequels. I, unlike many people, I don't really hate the prequels that much. I kind of dig them. And are they good? Eh. Are they cheesy? Yes. But... For me, there's still a lot of that nostalgia of the Star Wars I grew up with. And I was happy just to leave it at that and move on with my life. When they announced the new Star Wars movies, I was so not interested. So not interested. Because even the story of of The Force Awakens, I was like, blah. Feels like you're rehashing the old story, except as a fanfic. Pass. And I didn't go see it. And then I didn't see the other ones. And I'm kind of glad I didn't. Uh, because the fan reaction has been bonkers. I'm, I'm sitting here going, but you guys are supposed to be fans. You're supposed to be people who love this genre. And all you manage to do is just tear shit apart. Um are you sure you're Star Wars fans? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Star Wars fans are really one of the more toxic fandoms. Like, I really, like, I think a lot of them just love to hate everything about Star Wars. Um, I, I'm the, the, I'm 
fine with all of them. You know, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, um, and and Skywalker. They're all just they're all right. They're Star Wars movies. They're not. Star Wars was, I love Star Wars. I love the original trilogy. You know, I grew up watching it, blah, 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 like everybody else. Um, and they were great, but they weren't, like, amazing. They weren't this, like, groundbreaking. <laughs> I get that at the time it had groundbreaking, you know, special effects and stuff, but they're just good movies. They're not amazing. You know, it's not something to ruin people's lives over. And that's kind of what you're doing. Uh, so I don't know. I just, it's, it's weird to me how divisive fans of Star Wars can be, how toxic they can be. Like, why, why are you like this? Uh, they're, they're probably, I, I would have to say some of the more toxic fans out there. And, and that's not a new phenomenon that did not start with these movies. I mean, no. even as far back as the prequel movies, if you mm -hmm. remember the re reaction to Jar Jar yeah. Binks. And yeah, Jar Jar Binks, not a great character. Pretty stupid, pretty annoying. But you didn't have to be horrible to the actor who played Jar Jar Binks. The young kid who played Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. He was just a boy, a little boy. And people were so horrible about him. And a poor kid. I'm just sitting here like... Why? Why? I mean, if you say you love a thing, if you say you love Star Wars, why are you so consumed with tearing it apart? Is it because it you have this vision of what Star Wars is and it didn't it didn't do what you wanted? And so now you have to hate it and then like piss on it and then set it on fire. Is hey, that, is, is I, I that what a, we're dealing with? I have a crazy solution for that. Go write some fanfic. <laughs> As a, as a connoisseur of fanfic, um, I, I agree, frankly. Yeah, like, I get it. You, you have your own headcanon. Cool. Go write a fanfic and then get over yourself. Like, I'm... a create, Creators don't owe you anything, you know? We just... They don't. Um, don't get me wrong. I do kind of think death of the author is a very valid thing. I think there's a point where you just kind of have to... You put your work out there and people are going to, you know, interpret it how they want. That's mm -hmm. fine. Interpret it how you want. But you don't then, you don't then get to, you know, tear people apart because it wasn't what you wanted. Because, again, back to Beauty and the Beast, you, if you go and all you try and do is indulge every single fan out there, there's going to be a lot of unhappy people. You can't make everybody happy. Like, mm -mm. go make your thing and be good with it and just leave it like that. Like, I think that's where Ryan Johnson did a good thing with mm -hmm. The Last Jedi. I think he just went, look, here's my vision for Star Wars and I'm going to make it and that's it. And then I think J.J. Um, Abrams went, no, here's my vision for Star Wars and I'm going to ignore what you said, Ryan Johnson. And then he made his vision and it the two just didn't mesh up. Well, that's a word for it, yes. And th <laughs> that's a whole other episode of discussing uh, uh, corporations and <laughs> sometimes their lack of foresight. But I, I feel like you hit the nail on the head is that I, a huge part of this great expectations game of this, of fans rage 
quitting over IP that they're so passionate about of going on the internet and creating petitions and blasting Twitter and getting hashtags going. A huge part of this is I feel that fans don't, don't want to leave space for creatives to be creative. Mm -hmm. They want creatives to be producers. They want to, them to produce their, uh, what they want. They want producer them to produce things that they can easily consume and that make them happy. And they don't want to allow them the freedom and the space to experiment, to uh, try something different, to fail, yeah. to make mistakes. Um, and so when, when a, a series or a movie or what have you, when the creators are, are taking, um, you know, a, a series in a new direction or there's shifts and changes that they're having to adapt to. Um, and if fans don't like it, then they're all like, well, but you owe this to me because I've given you my hard-earned money or my hard-earned time. I've devoted myself and all these hours of my life to you and your creation. You owe me what I want. And that's not how this works. Yeah, and I think that's a lot to do with it. I think entitlement um, has a lot to do with why why there's so much of this nerd rage and why fans feel like, no, you need to go out and create the thing that I want to see. And I think that's the thing that hurts creators in the end, you know? Like, let them make their thing. I can't, I'm not, I'm not a writer. I can't go out and write a screenplay and make a movie. So, you know, it, it's kind of like, you remember that Simpsons episode where his brother is like, I'm going to have you, the everyman, design the perfect car and it's going to be great. And Homer does and it's a mess and everybody hates it. Yeah. That's why writers have editors because you can't just like dump out this idea and be like, it's going to be great. You need someone to go back and refine it and, and make it make sense. <laughs> and I think... I think that's a thing that fans have a problem with. Like, they all want to be Homer Simpson making this car, and your car's not great, guys. Mm -mm. It's not a good car. Nobody wants to drive that car. I've read many fan fiction, and believe me, your cars aren't great. <laughs> right? Like, I am a connoisseur of fan fiction. I read, I read all sorts. I read the trashiest of the trashy fan fiction. Believe me, your cars are not great. Well, and it was funny because he's speaking of fan fiction. So my son pointed this out to me, and I think he's got a good point. Um, he was like, but, sarcastically, he was like, but fanfic is for girls. Only girls write fanfic. And he's right. The majority of people who write fanfic are women. And the majority of fans complaining about Star Wars and how it's not what they wanted are dudes. Um, maybe there's a little bit of correlation there, guys. Yeah, instead of filling my uh, Twitter feed with your nerd rage, why don't you try writing a fanfic? <laughs> exactly embrace the fanfic find a creative outlet for this upset that you have instead of attacking poor actresses who are just trying to play a character in a movie who are just doing their job yeah just doing their job oh my gosh <laughs> um and then so another <laughs> another though fanfic uh great Epic. Another expectation that I think went in a good direction uh, was Endgame. Like, why did yes! <laughs> why did Endgame work? What I mean, don't get me wrong. There was still some of the nerd rage. Like, a lot of people were like, huh, I can't believe Cap was so selfish. 
<laughs> they, he left Bucky. Oh, God. And, and then they killed Natasha. How dare they? Yeah. How dare they take her they, from us? Yeah. Well, there was a lot of that nerd rage. I do feel like the majority of what I saw and read and blah, blah, blah was positive. Like, people were happy. Like, the, the, <laughs> the writers did a good job. You did a good job, guys. Yay. Well, I have long made the correlation since uh, since last year. Uh, it's very interesting to me as uh, as uh, someone who is of a historical bent mm-hmm. that um, that Endgame came out the very same weekend as Game of Thrones episode three, which was the big Winterfell battle scene. Mm-hmm. And everyone was just like, oh, my God. It was like, it was this moment that it was like, it is nerdgasm, guys. It is, it is like, it's our nerd Super Bowl. And people are going <laughs> to come out and everyone we love is going to be dead. You know, it was, it was huge. It was hype. Like, I even I that weekend was like, I'm just not going to make it through this weekend because everything I love is going to die. And I'm just not going to be okay. Um, and... But after everyone calmed down, um, I, I I I thought of, was thinking through it and looking at the reviews both for that episode plus mm-hmm. of Game of Thrones plus um, Endgame, which by the way I loved Endgame. I saw Endgame four times in the theaters, um, and I, I kind of looked at them side by side and and I realized like here you have. This interesting dichotomy, this interesting mm-hmm. comparison between two events, two episodes, uh, and, and and frankly, I consider the MCU kind of episodic. It is like a long film form of a television show. Yep. And so you had these two climactic episodes of these stories, where you ha- you had Winterfell and the Battle for the Dawn and Game of Thrones. You had. Uh, the ending of the Infinity Saga and the face-off with Thanos and Endgame. And it, it was going to tie together all these threads that were laid out for many, many years through, through for 10 years before both of these series because they've come al- up alongside of each other. Yeah. And one of them hit okay. It wasn't like people were not like, like that was the best episode of television ever. It was, oh my god, I survived it. Um, where do we go from here? And then the other one was, oh my god, that was the best movie ever. Oh my god, do you remember that time when da, 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 Cap had me on there? I screamed. Ah! You know, <laughs> that was the reaction. You had these two polar opposite reactions, and where Game of Thrones sort of went. You know, and did not live up to those great fan expectations. Endgame exceeded them. It just blew them out of the water. I mean, I remember at one point of time when I'm sitting there in the theater, I saw on the Friday night of opening weekend. And I'm sitting in the theater and they're in this IMAX screen where I realize that I am seeing a comic book splash page. <laughs> On a, on a movie screen. I'm like, what in the hell is my world right now? And I don't care. I love this. This is amazing. You know, I, I felt like I was a little kid all over again. Yeah, I think one of the great things that um, Endgame did was 
they really balance the fan service with tying up the, their story. You know, mm-hmm. um, Endgame had this story that they were building up and these moments they were leading to. And I think they did a really good job of balancing that. Like, they balanced the fan expectations and they gave us a lot of fan service. But they still ended it out on in their own way, you know? They mm-hmm. still went, okay, this is our story, though, guys, so here's how our story is ending. Here is the beats that we're taking. And all of it made sense, you know? It wasn't something where it felt like, oh, you killed Tony just because you had to kill a character. No, you killed Tony because it made sense. It was a good end to his character arc. Um, same thing with Cap. I mean, that closing line with old Cap where he was like, I finally took Tony's advice and started, you know, living some of that life he's always talking about. And that's it. That's exactly it. Cap finally did something selfish, you know? Um, <laughs> just and, and did something and lived his life. The life that he gave up all those years ago exactly the life that he sacrificed to save everybody else like remember that was the end of first avenger he yeah he thought he was dying he thought he was killing himself to save everybody else and when he got his quote-unquote second chance he woke up in the future and i think that was a bittersweet moment for cap because yeah he lived but he lost his life still in the process mm-hmm. and then to you know, <laughs> to go back and have this chance and to do it all over again, you know, I'm sorry, Cap, you sacrificed enough. Go go, go have your selfish moment and live your life. You go know? get your dance. Go get exactly. your dance, Cap. And especially to juxtapose that against Tony, who lived a selfish life for a long mm-hmm. time. And for a long, sl- long time. Yeah, and then to slowly become less and less selfish to die in an altruistic act, that says something. This is something major. And that was a perfect cap to the end of his character arc they did great things with all of these characters um yeah there's some parts we can nitpick on it you know <laughs> uh fat thor uh didn't have to be such a the poor man's depressed why are we constantly making him the butt of a joke yeah uh, i didn't appreciate that and you know hashtag girl power moment was uh yeah. <laughs> hashtag girl power moment was a fail yeah that was very pandery but overall they did a great job with that movie. Um, they really did. And I think, again, the creators did a really good job of balancing those fan expectations and telling their own story. I think in par- and part of it, at least with Endgame 2, is the fact that Marvel, now they've not always had an outline for what they were going to do. Let's be honest, they yeah. didn't. But when they kind of realized we have all these pieces together and we can move the story in this direction... They did a very good job of laying out the groundwork and then starting to guide all the sheep into mm-hmm. that into that path so that they could then bring in all these threads slowly. And it felt organic. It felt like, oh, my God, you know, that cl- that thing they did in this one movie like 10 years ago. And now it's come back here. And oh, my God. And, da, da, da. and there was all these callbacks to the previous like. 22 mcu movies and uh and giving the fans just these little hints of things that if you've been a fan of these movies if you've seen every single one of them and you know the backstory watching this movie was a delight because it's like wow there's a payoff for this and there's a payoff for that and i get to 
I get to see Jarvis again. I'm so excited that <laughs> Jarvis from Agent Carter was in that movie. I screamed because I'm like, oh my god, I love Jarvis. Um yeah, I was probably one of only like 10 people in that movie theater who knew who Jarvis was. <laughs> uh, and how dare you? Agent Carter was an amazing show. It, um, it was great. But uh, yeah, they they really built up at that, that entire movie. And the ending they got was well-deserved. And whether you're happy or not that, you know, Cap left Bucky. I mean, what the hell were you, they supposed to do? I... I Chris Evans' contract is over, and he wants he's moving on. Sebastian Stan's willing to stay. You had to figure out something, guys. So, yeah, they could. Why they, could, they can't ride off into the sunset together, and then suddenly Bucky show up again, like, "Hey, I'm back." Oh, don't ask about Cap. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't ask. You know, I don't know what happened. He was my best friend, but yeah, who cares? No, I mean, first of all, how 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 selfish is that? In regards to Sebastian Stan, who now is, has a television show that's coming out, um, I, the guy's getting work, and but you're but the fact that you, the fan, are like upset that well now they're separated and that's just not fair and it's it's not in accordance to the storyline. Well, no, it makes a lot of sense in the storyline, and yeah, it just it there's. I get that for a lot of fans, you have a, a a vision of what you would like to see. And it can be frustrating when your vision is not the way that the creatives decided to go. But I feel like in the end, Endgame got it more right than mm-hmm. Game of Thrones did. And <laughs> Game think, of Thrones just, yeah. yeah. And I think it does go to show that a good balance is possible. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you can find a good balance where the majority of people are happy. Yeah. People are always going to nitpick here. There's never going to be a perfect thing that nobody can nitpick. Um, but I think, you know, I think this, this does go to show that you can find a good balance of fan expectations and still being a creator. Um, you know, being true to your story. Exactly. Um, and I think it, it definitely, as I think through, like, some of the big franchises, movies, and television, I know that people complain, like, they love to complain about the bad ones. Mm-hmm. They love complaining. Like, I hear about the, the worst uh, t- ends of television shows ever. Sopranos is up there. Six Feet Under is up there. Um, How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother. I have a lot of things to say about the last two seasons of X Files. <laughs> None of them are good, um, but uh, I don't know. What are outside of Endgame? What are some of the uh, the IP that you feel lived up to expectations? And did they find that? Did they strike that good balance the way that Endgame did? I feel like. The Harry Potter books did a good job. Yeah. Um, wrapping that up, you know, uh, J.K. Rowling did a good job of, of laying out her series and and everything made sense. Um, I know the epilogue is a little divisive amongst fans. <laughs> some people love it. Some people hate it. I'm indifferent to it uh, outside of the awful naming choices <laughs> of the kids. <laughs> I don't 
don't know. I I think that uh, James made out okay. Lily made out okay. Albus, though, I don't know. Sorry, Albus. <laughs> you, you do the short straw in that naming. It, it's like my friends who decided they need, wanted to name their children after their D&D characters, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> Why? Well, and the, did Jeannie get to have any input in any of the kids' names? Or was Harry just like, here's what all the kids' names are going to be. My parents and the teachers who meant something to me. And you don't, you don't get to pick any names, Jeannie. Sorry. I think Luna, Lily Luna. Luna's the, it came from Jenny. That was the only input she got in this. So maybe it's one of those things, like maybe witches get this really awesome, like potion when they're giving birth, but it makes them loopy. So they just have utterly no idea. <laughs> Like, what the fathers are naming their kids, because half these wizards have, like, crazy batshit names anyway, so. that That's my new headcanon. The moms are loopy on pain potion, so they don't get to name their kids, and it's just dad's gift. And the, the dad is like, me. you know, Scootily Poop sounds like a great name, doesn't it? Right. I had a distant cousin named that. Let's. I, I mean, I'm sure she'll be fine with it when she comes to. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, I think that one was good. You know, uh, the the fan expectation leading up to that was pretty high. Uh, I know at that point I had gone to a couple of the midnight releases for, I think I did five, six, seven. Yeah, I think I did five, six, seven. I did the midnight releases, and and yeah, there was a lot of fan hype for them. And the book series ended, and I think people overall were pretty happy with it. You didn't hear too much complaining. Um, no, I was in Rome when the the series ended. In fact, I went to a midnight opening in Rome. I, I had already purchased the book, and it was being delivered to my house in Los Angeles. <laughs> but I was in Rome when the book came out, and uh, and it was really exciting and people were pretty happy and everyone seemed to be pretty stoked with the ending and you're right I think uh I think the Harry Potter series books ended very very well movies meh. I mean I, I have to admit the last book is one of my favorites so the way they ended the movie I was just sort of like yeah eh. it's fine it's fine yeah the, I think the movies just had they had too much behind the scenes stuff going bad um you know, they had a lot of directors, and all those directors took a lot of different takes on the movies. And then on top of that, the books weren't out, like all the books weren't done, so they didn't know what were going to be important threads and what weren't. So some things they ignored because they assumed they weren't going to be important. And then, oh, it turns out house elves are actually kind of important. Maybe you shouldn't have ignored, ignored Dobby for five movies. <laughs> yeah. Dobby's a free elf. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, if you've only seen the movies, the emotional impact of Dobby's death is nowhere near as huge as it was in the books. Mm-hmm. Oh, I cried. I think I spent all of book seven just in my hotel room <laughs> in Rome, just bawling my eyes out. Because, yes, of course, I had an illegal copy on my computer because my book was in Los Angeles. <laughs> But yeah. um, um, same when Fred died, uh, that 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 was way more oh emotionally impactful. Um, not one the death scene because he actually had one in the book, whereas in the movie he dies off screen and you just see his dead body later. Um, but the emotional impact was more because one the twins were actually separate characters in the book. They yeah. <laughs> they weren't these like 
I, I don't know why the directors decided that Fred and George should constantly say their lines together at the same time. Yeah. Like they're one person. Uh, so they were, it was, it was like, which one was that? Yeah. In the movies, whereas in the books, you're like, oh, no, not Fred. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I think when I saw the that movie, I had got, I was in Kansas City with my friends, um, one of whom, she had not read the books mm-hmm. on purpose and, and still hasn't, as far as I know. Um, and... Uh, she's sitting next to me, and she didn't know which twin it was that got killed. And I'm just over there just sobbing, like, oh, Fred. Uh, she just, she's like, oh, it was Fred. Okay. <laughs> because I knew. She had no idea. She's like, I know it's a twin. It is one of them. And I'm like, it's Fred. Um, yeah, I, Harry Potter had a, a good ending in the books. I'm trying to think of some other like really big properties that had. I just feel like like that lived up to the fa- the fan expectations and the fan hype. Um, uh, all, it, it, this is a divisive pick. I will admit this is a divisive pick, and this is in part in part because uh, there's a huge argument over like the last three seasons of the show, and I and that's the West Wing. I, I loved that show, and I loved the ending of the show. I loved the last episode of the show. I think it brought this very sweet closure to the entire series. Um, but then there's this huge camp of fans who are like, but I don't like anything past season four because once Aaron Sorkin left, they butchered it. And I'm like, uh, I disagree, but I, I felt like... It had a good ending. It really ended the show very well and on a high, which for that show is is typical, you know. Um, West Wing is sort of the antithesis to Game of Thrones. So um, I thought that was a great ending. I know there are probably some people who would be like, are you crazy? That show sucked after her and Sarkin left. (laughs) I'm sorry you feel that way. I, I, but I, I feel like for a show that was as huge as it was, and I think that many people now forget how big of a show that was on television. It was huge. Um, it had, a, I think, a very satisfying ending. Uh, I mean, especially for a show that, for some people, can be a bit divisive. Um, so the, the properties I can think of, <laughs> because I'm a huge cartoon fan, uh, they're all cartoons. Um, <laughs> uh, Avatar The Last Airbender I felt like really uh, stick that landing um, Adventure Time was another cartoon that had a good ending and uh, another recent one Steven Universe just uh, oh yeah theirs. last week yeah last week there Steven Universe Future was their wrap up and yeah I think those all did great maybe cartoons are the way to go guys <laughs> yeah. probably because you have more creative control I mean I think other properties you start running into studios who want to stick their fingers into it and you know I think you should do this in the ending or you know fans like you said with Beauty and the Beast and mm-hmm. fans are all just like talking bullshit on the Reddit page and suddenly the studio's like let's make a movie about that Right. Well, I mean, look at um, look at Into the Spider Verse. Didn't have all of that studio meddling that Sony loves to do with their Spider-Man movies, and suddenly we have this amazing Spider-Man movie. Like, honestly, I could I feel safe saying that for me, 
Into the Spider-Verse is one of the best Spider-Man movies I've ever seen. It's a fair statement. I've heard many others say it. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah, maybe cartoons are just, they, they have that advantage of not so much studio interference. Or maybe it's just on a different level mm-hmm. compared to the big budget movies and TV shows. So I, I think then I, we've established that you can have an, a show that lives up to the expectations, especially with its ending. Um, and that makes the fans happy and that, that makes them walk away satisfied. And, uh, what can you do when a fan isn't, though? Like, I, and again, I'm going to go back to Game of Thrones. It's, I feel like they're our poster child for this episode. Um, Game of Thrones was so huge. They had like spinoff series planned and it was going to be a thing, right? Like they had two or three shows in pre-production and there was going to be, you know, more Game of Thrones. There's going to be ancient Game of Thrones and prequel Game of Thrones and Poco <laughs> Good, ugh, all the Game of Thrones. And hey, look, more dragons. Yay. And I think, I don't know if any of those shows got off the ground ultimately. And in part because of fan fan anger and fan expectations being crushed. Is there a way to save a series when fan expectations have been kind of obliterated? I mean, I think, I feel like that this is the boat that star Wars is in right now. And I think, uh, what star Wars is starting to do, um, to kind of help resolve that is look what they did with the Mandalorian. That's doing great. People like it, you know? Um, and again, I think, I think having it, take the Marvel as do what the Marvel did. Uh, Marvel had Kevin Feige. They had a person who oversaw the whole thing and, you know, made sure it made sense and it followed a thing and it was leading up to something. And, and for all intents and purposes, he did what an editor does in books, you know, Um, When you have a long-running book series, you have an editor who's going to go back and check for your continuity and make sure things make sense. And that was what Kevin Feige did for Marvel. And now I think we've got Star Wars trying to be like, okay, we need to fix what we've done. So now they've got The Mandalorian and they're trying to do a story. And I hope that means that they're going to learn from this. And I think that's something that game of thrones needed to do was learn from this mistake learn from the mistakes you guys made don't rush through, don't rush to an ending make sure your things make sense you know balance your fan expectations and your creativity um maybe yeah i think i think that where game of thrones missed a mark was not understanding what made fans like it in the first place and maybe that's the same mistake star wars did you know, in Game of Thrones, I think it was that they went, oh, we've got to subvert expectations. That's what people like. They took one idea and decided to run with it. And I think that's kind of where there's no magic formula for what people are or aren't going to like. So instead of trying to latch on to one thing and be like, this is what people like. We've got to do this. Yeah, I mean, I think we're where Game of Thrones really tripped up is that in trying to undermine expectation, mm-hmm. they also didn't give enough credence to to expectation. Yeah. 
So, for example, yes, it makes sense that we would think Jon Snow is going to be the, uh, uh, I, I want to say Kwisatz Haderach. <laughs> <laughs> but the Lightbringer, the, you know, whatever. He's supposed to be the big, the big badass hero. Um, and we're, and you want to subvert that somehow. Okay. But don't give us like eight seasons of poor bastard Jon Snow, who's really not poor, not a bastard or Jon Snow (laughs) (laughs) and, and build up this character who, um, we as fans have grown to love and just not do jack all with him. You know, if you're going to, um, if you're going to lead Daenerys down this much darker path, and I agree with many people who say, well, the seeds were planted long ago for da- for Danny to go bonkers. Yeah, okay. If you wanted to do that, then maybe you could have clarified that a little bit more than you did. Instead of, like, she's this hero, except now she's not. Surprise, motherfuckers! You know, yeah. maybe make Danny more morally and ambiguous than you did or you know I, I think it would have been more appropriate to liken Danny to any other great conqueror like an Alexander the Great or a Genghis Khan who are great figures admittedly but also problematic ones so it, there could have been all these little storytelling cues they could have they could have done that I would have I think helped alleviate some of the fan expectation that went in the door um, and help prep them for the story you want to tell at the same time as you're not completely cutting the legs out from underneath them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what fans were raging about with Game of Thrones. That they've devoted all this time and energy and fan theory into this series that you really just cut the legs out from under. And nobody likes that. I mean, nobody likes that. Um, And and I think your point can also go to where Star Wars failed. Like, again, they set up so many things and just didn't follow through with them. Or change them. Or, you know, just... Again, back to the gold standard. um, That's where Endgame did a good job. Everything that happened was set up. It was set up in a way that made sense. It proceeded in a way that made sense. And the fan service made sense and it made us all go, hey, great. That's a thing that I like. I recognize that. I know why that happened. That, you know, Cap moved Mjolnir four movies ago, just a little bit. So it made sense that he's able to wield it now. It wasn't just an out of the blue thing. It wasn't just something that, you know, that would have been like if they had been like, oh, hey, guys. Uh, I know we never mentioned this before, but only Thor can pick up Mjolnir because you have to be worthy. And now Cap can do it, so he's worthy. That That's not a payoff. That doesn't feel good if you didn't set it up. But because they set it up so far back mm-hmm. that now <laughs> that scene, oh my god. I, I saw this, I saw Endgame three times in the movie theater, and every single time I saw it, people cheered. Oh yeah. No, every same. single time. Um, you know, I, even the cheesy parts, even, okay, Avengers Assemble was so cheesy. So cheesy. But they earned it. But they, they earned, earned it. it. Exactly. They earned it. And people, I, I screamed the first time he said it. 
you yeah. know? <laughs> because we've been waiting for all these movies for they, them to have the Avengers Assemble moment. And they teased it and they didn't give it to us. And then they did. And at that and it just had built and built and built and built and built. So it was like this release when Cap just finally like growls out assemble and you're like, Yeah <laughs> Exactly. And I think that's what it really comes down to is if you want those moments as a creator, if you want those moments, you have to earn them. You have to do the hard work of setting everything up. And and I get it. It's hard. It's not easy. But if you want us to be happy that Danny's finally going crazy like you alluded to she was Actually allude to it. Mm-hmm. Don't show, don't tell. That's the number one rule in storytelling in movies. Show, don't tell. Don't tell us Danny's going crazy. Show us she's going crazy. And you didn't. So when she did, it wasn't satisfying. Yeah. It wasn't earned. I, I think you can make half an argument that Varys and Tyrion were having the conversations of, well, you need to control her because, you know, she can be high spirited and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've got this under control. Bitch, please. None of that was like <laughs> she's psychotic and a Targaryen who'd be cray cray. Exactly. <laughs> Again, like I said, show them tell. If there would have been more build up to that, if last season Varys and Tyrion had been having this conversation, and then this season, the beginning of that season, we had seen. Some examples of throwing it back to that conversation of, hey, uh, you know, Tyrion, we really got to get her a little more under control. She's slipping. It would have felt more earned, but it never got to that point. It was always just them saying she's crazy, she's crazy, she's crazy, and never showing it. And then her being crazy and then being like, ta-da. And now John stabs her in the heart and... You know, and he's supposed to be sad about this. I don't know. God, that was such a clusterfuck hot mess. <laughs> oh, my God. It makes me angry just talking about it. But you know what? I am not a fan rage anger person. I, I did not go online to spew my anger. I w- did not fill up my Twitter feed with my anger. I don't even think I signed a petition. <laughs> yeah. I just went, I okay, I'm done with Game of Thrones now. I won't watch that anymore. Whereas yeah. I've got my Disney Plus and I'll watch my Marvel movies over and over and over again. I will and love my Marvel movies and just hug them tightly and be like, I'm so happy that Cap and Peggy got their dance. Oh, God. Okay, totally off topic question, Jen. What's your favorite Marvel movie? Oh, 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 shit. See, I've been, since we've all been on a second side, like Twitter has been like a buzz with like, what's the best Marvel movie? What's the worst Marvel movie? Who's your favorite Marvel character? Who's the most annoying? You know, um, oh, God. It, uh, <laughs> I know my favorites. I, they're a group because I feel like they're, they're my children. I can't choose. Um, I think my top three, and in no particular order, because it varies depending on the time of day and what month we're in. Okay. <laughs> but um, my top three are uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, um, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. I think those were my top three. <laughs> um, I think... Um, inf- I think... Winter Soldier was the first Avengers movie that felt grown up to me. And then on top of it was just so 
just deliciously like I, so I mean I'm full disclosure I don't I'm not a huge comic book reader um so I didn't know the big twist in the Winter Soldier <laughs> like everybody else on the planet knew I didn't know so I was and I watched it year it, it gets even worse because I didn't even watch these many of these movies in the movie theater I watched them years later when suddenly I realized, oh, you mean like Iron Man and uh, and Guardians of the Galaxy all happened in the same universe? What are you talking about? Oh, my God. I got to go watch these movies, right? You're talking to someone who's been in college pretty much continuously since she was 22. So I'm like, time, what's that? So I finally went and saw uh, uh, Winter Soldier and... Uh, and I didn't, I hadn't read the comic books, didn't know what was coming. I'm watching this amazing fight sequence. I'm like, oh my God, Cap can really get his ass handed to him. Wow. Who's this Winter Soldier? Holy fuck. What? 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 Ah, what? <laughs> I was probably the only person who had that reaction to that movie. The only person. <laughs> because everyone else was like, oh yeah, it's Mikey Barnes. Yeah, but I, 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 I think I fell in love with the MCU with Winter Soldier. It was just such a good, smart movie that took the source material in a, in a unique fashion that I felt left, led, that it, it held up fan expectation Mm. by, but still was creative in and of itself. So yeah, was it completely faithful to the comic book? No, but was it faithful enough that fans could feel satisfied? Yes. And I thought it was just great storytelling. And I'm a sucker for Cold War espionage movies anyway. So it's like right up my alley. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and then Infinity War and Endgame. I, 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 I had not ever expected a comic book movie to tell a story that big ever. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I grew up with Superman and Batman as my comic book movies, and let's be honest, I mean, they're 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 fine, they're great movies, just they're not like big storytelling movies, and to have both those movies just like just enthrall me and get me in the gut, and I'm crying over a tree disappearing and turning into ash, right? Uh, <laughs> You know, they say from the start of the movie, half the population's going to t- going to die, and I'm still crying because, like, no, they killed Bucky, and not they took Peter from me. I just want <laughs> that's that that scene with with Peter and Tony. I just, I was just, I was so 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 a mess. It was awful. But yeah, I think those are my top three. So, okay, now you have to answer. What's your top, your favorite MCU movie? Um, So my favorite would probably also be Winter Soldier. Yeah, yes. But my most rewatched is Captain America, the First Avenger. I love that movie. I do. It's in my top. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's just, it's heartwarming. It's nice. Cap's. Such a good guy. And I know a lot of people don't like him because of that. They're like, it's not realistic that he's so good. But I don't care. I don't care. I like that he's uh, the ideal. I want I want that. 
I love that he's just a good guy. And you know what? In a world that's on fire like ours right now, a good guy is hard to find. <laughs> right? You and know, and I, it's just such a heartwarming movie. I really do love to just go back and watch it again. Yeah. And just, it it reminds me, I mean, World War II is an awful war. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. I know my grandparents fought in it. Um, Same. I, yeah. I was going to say, I think yours did too. Um and there are things that, until the day she died, my grandmother would never talk about, like, to the day she died. Yeah, same. Um, my grandpa was at Pearl Harbor. Um, yeah. He didn't talk about it. He never talked about it until the day yeah. he died. Oh, my grandma actually says that they they had this big um, memorial for the veterans of Pearl Harbor, and they tried to go to it, and he, he like, had a nervous breakdown and couldn't go, so. Yeah, one of my neighbors uh, growing up was, too. He went. He went to, to it. Oh, um good. But he was like an 18-year-old kid uh, at Pearl Harbor. I'm like, oh, my Lord, what? Um, But my grandmother um, had to, worked a lot with the staff uh, in Europe Mm -hmm. who was doing a lot of work with the concentration camps. So she never could watch Schindler's List. Yeah. And I, when I was young, was like, Mm, Schindler's List. I want to see this because I was a, a World War history, World War Two history buff, and I I knew it was going to be horrible, but I wanted to see it anyway. And she's like, "I'm going to be in the other room," and she would not watch it. And it I did not realize for a long time why. Um, but um, uh, yeah. I mean, that was a, that generation went through a lot, so. I mean, it was just a horrible war. And so I'm not trying to undermine it, like, but with Captain America saying, oh, it's just a simpler time because it wasn't a simple time. <laughs> it was not a simple time at all. But um, but there's something about that good old fashioned golden age cap, you know, two fisted action, punching Hitler and killing Nazis. Yep. There's just it feels simple and it feels wholesome. And it feels like <coughs> It feels like there's black and white, right and wrong, good guys, bad guys. And I think in a world where all that is complex right now, sometimes that feels good. And and I don't know. I, I like it because it also sets up Cap's bigger story where you realize the world is not like that and neither Steve Rogers. So Exactly. And and I think it does a really good job of setting up Steve Rogers. And you know, his his American pride and his patriotism and his belief in the government and, and the rights and, and all of this. And then especially to juxtapose that against Winter Soldier, where he really does have to deal with the darker, seedier side of government and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it shows a nice character arc for Cap, especially to take those two movies, you know, side by side and just watch that arc watch how Steve has to start questioning and especially again to take that again even further and then go to Civil War mm-hmm. where Cap now has to actively fight his government because he doesn't believe in what they're doing you know mm-hmm. um, yeah so yeah I mean you just take those three movies and those three Captain America movies and they, they just do such a good job of setting up Steve Rogers arc. Yeah. Talk about fan expectations. I think those movies live <laughs> up to fan expectations when it comes to Cap. Yeah. I, I, you know, 
It, not to take away from any of the others, I love Iron Man. I was contemplating just rewatching Iron Man for the fifty billionth time tonight, just because <laughs> I was like, I want, I want brain candy. Mm-hmm. I want a Tony Stark being an asshole. I just, I, I just want it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and those characters make such good foils for each other because they do both have these big character arcs, and to see where they start and to see where they end up, and they're both good guys. Yeah. They're really good guys. They're both good guys. They're just good guys in different ways, and they have different beliefs, and they have different ways of going about it. And uh, Marvel does such a good job with characters. And I think that's what makes their their fan expectations, why they're able to meet them. Yeah. Because their characters are good. You know, they do a really good job of building up the characters and everything. And I think if we look at our bad examples, you can kind of see where they fail, like... Where was everybody's character arc in Game of Thrones? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Where was you mention it? Yeah. Where's the buildup to Arya killing the Night King? That's not satisfying. Yeah. I I don't see how her character arc could have led there. Jon Snow, he kills Danny and then kind of just rides off into the sunset. Back where he started. Yeah. Like, again, where's his character arc? It's not satisfying. Um, We can go over. I think the only person I feel who I got a satisfying character arc in the entire story was Sansa. She got a good character arc. She did, actually. Yeah. Pointing it out. Oh, when they were like the Queen of the North, I was like, yes. Yes. I think that that was the only part in the last episode I was just like, yes. She is my queen. Yes. Because, you know, seeing Sansa grow from... This, like, whiny, bratty little girl who's like, oh, my God, mother, make her stop throwing her peas at me to, (laughs) you know, surviving everything she did. So, ultimately, she won the Game of Thrones. You know, she won. And and she's the Queen of the North, you know. Um, I think Sansa got a great story arc. I think Tyrion's story arc was pretty good. I wouldn't say it was as good as Sansa's. Um... But everyone else, I just was sort of going like, eh? Even Arya, to a certain extent, I was sort of like, okay, now she leaves. All right. Yeah. 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 It was just, it wasn't satisfying. And I know you didn't see Star Wars, but honestly, kind of the same thing. Like, these, it doesn't feel like these characters went anywhere. It doesn't feel like they had a good arc um the closest they came was maybe kylo ren but they did this weird thing in episode eight where they were like let's take him back to where he was at episode seven and then kind of bring him back it was just i don't know it was all over the place and i think that was their problem is the characters didn't have an arc and you need character arcs there's a reason why you do those all the time in stories because that's what gives you satisfying endings yeah and yeah. <laughs> if you don't have that, it, it doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter how visually appealing or exciting or whatever it was, because if the, there wasn't a good character arc, why do I care? Yeah. Oh, can fans ever be satisfied? I will never be satisfied. <laughs> no, uh, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Fan expectations. <laughs> it's keeping the creators on their toes. Um, let's just try not to be so bullying, guys. Like, bullying's never okay. Yeah. 
don't be a dick to quote will wheaton don't be a dick yeah. You know, um, yeah, sure. Fan expectations. Whenever we get to a well-loved property, people's expectations are going to be through the roof. Mm-hmm. I mean, no two ways about it. Um, and yeah, creators are going to sometimes hit the ball, the ball right out of the park, like they did with Endgame. And sometimes they're going to uh, trip on the ball at home plate, let it hit it them in the face, like in Game of Thrones. Um, but at the end of the day, we as fans, we don't really have a right to be assholes. Exactly. We don't, we don't have to be jerks about it. If you don't like it, don't consume it. Yep. That's exactly, I think that's, that's a good takeaway. That's a good takeaway for all of this. If you don't like it, just walk away. Just walk away. I mean, you can say, yes, I think that that was I was disappointed. I did not like it. And then walk away. Move on with your life. Uh, but you don't have to be a dick about it when um, your expectations aren't met. Yeah. Go write some more fanfic. Go write some more fanfic. I'll read it. I'll read your trashy fanfic. <laughs> I will judge it, but I will read it. I think that, <laughs> I think that's a good note to end it on. Yeah. <laughs> write some more fanfic. We'll read it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, guys, it's been fun to kind of just sit here and shoot the breeze with all of you for uh, for an hour and a half of us meditating on our topic. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can get a hold of us via Twitter on what's our Twitter handle? <laughs> uh, N-G-T-O-T-W stands for Nerd Girls Take on the World. <laughs> So you can find us on Twitter. We also have an Instagram. You can find us there. You can also find us on Facebook. And, oh, and we have a website, nerdgirlstakeontheworld.com, where there will be links to all of our social medias. Yay! And we'll figure out what cool and fun things to put on there. No, you do not get my fan fiction account. (laughs) But if you want to email email us links to your fanfic, there is a nice little web form on our website where you can email us topic suggestions and go ahead and throw in some fanfic there if you want. I will probably read it. I'm not going to lie. Because <laughs> I'm a PhD student and you know what? If I got to read one more philosophy book, I may just cry. <laughs> yeah, so feel free to send us your fanfic. Until next time, when we come at you with even more alcohol and yet more observations on whatever random topic we're going to be talking about, this is Jen. And this is Mo. And never be afraid to take on the world. Bye. Bye. Bye.